This is Guns and Butter. the importance that's attributed to the CIA as, as being so important that it has to remain secret and so important that, that uh, if you talk about it, you can go to jail. Everything it's done is so important and yet nobody knows anything about these things. And, there, and, and that is the, the result of 70 years of fake news. Americans have no understanding of what their government truly is because they don't know what the CIA has done. They don't know about how evil the people who serve in Congress and the bureaucracies truly are because all these evil illegal things are done by the CIA and the CIA has absolute immunity. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Douglas Valentine. Today's show, The Deep State as Fake News. Douglas Valentine is the author of several works of historical nonfiction, including The Phoenix Program, America's Use of Terror in Vietnam, about the CIA in Vietnam, and The Strength of the Wolf and the Strength of the Pack, which discuss the history of federal drug law enforcement. He also edited a poetry anthology, With Our Eyes Wide Open, Poems of the New American Century. Today we discuss his latest book, The CIA as Organized Crime, How Illegal Operations Corrupt America and the World. Doug Valentine, good to talk to you again. Thank you for having me on your show. William Colby gave you unprecedented access to interview CIA officers in order to write your book on the Phoenix Program in Vietnam. Your new book is The CIA as Organized Crime, How Illegal Operations Corrupt America and the World. Why did you title your book The CIA as Organized Crime? Because everything that the CIA does basically is illegal. And um, I think of them as the organized crime branch of the United States government. And it's it's interesting because there's a sort of moral tinge to the title, you know, as if as if doing something illegal is is um, you know uh, universally agreed upon as you know like a bad thing to do. And and I should add as um, you know that that where you enter into a, a murky moral realm, and I'm not one to defend the CIA, but everybody does illegal things. You know, I mean, I smoked pot for 45 years before it became legal here in, in the state of Massachusetts. And, um, you know, all that time, somebody could have, you know, written my biography and called it uh, Doug Valentine as, as, a, as the criminal, you know, I mean, and, and people do all sorts of illegal things, but it's, it's the extent that of the, the CIA's uh, illegal actions, and, and it's their impact uh, that, that make the CIA um, really a good target of anybody's moral outrage. At the same time, all these things, the CIA does these things illegally because it feels that the American public wants these things done. It just doesn't want to hear about them, just like, like um Congress 
authorizes everything that the CIA does. Nothing that the you know the CIA is not a rogue enterprise that is engaging all these in all these kind of illegal activities, which I chronicle and and categorize in excruciating detail in the book. Everything from drug trafficking and arms trafficking to overthrowing foreign governments to spying on people to burglary to extortion, blackmail, any kind of crime at all, they engage in on massive industrial scale. But Congress doesn't want to hear about it. And in fact, Congress has very gratefully passed lots of lots of laws that make it illegal for anybody to blow the whistle on the CIA's crimes. And and the media, through its arrangement, its arrangements with the CIA, does everything it can to cover up the crimes and not tell you about them on the assumption that that the public is is too um, sensitive to know about these things or that it's in government engages in these kind of um, uh, industrial scale illegal activities, which, which are said to never affect America. That these, these illegal things that they, they engage in are, are too, too horrible for you to know about. And if you knew about them, it would upset you. So you're not told about them. And you're told that none of this affects you personally, that all these illegal things that are being done are being done overseas, for example, and, and they're being done for your benefit. Well, that's a big, a really big lie. And it's hard to disprove it. If you can't, if you can't actually document all these illegal things that the CIA is engaged in, because there's laws against talking about them. There's laws against naming CIA officers. If you if you name a CIA officer, you can go to jail. Uh, if you if you talk about CIA sources and methods, you can go to jail. So, uh, and, and even and before the before the laws were passed in 1982, making it illegal to name CIA officers, there was still a an agreement between the media and the CIA that that they wouldn't talk about it, so that these these illegal operations could continue and go on all the time. But we've entered a new phase, which is sort of symbolized by the election of Donald Trump and the, the, um, uh, now the discussion of what's called fake news, which is sort of characterized as a, as a new development, as if there hadn't always been fake news. But what I've been telling you for the last 10 minutes here is that Americans have been subject to, to fake news throughout there steadily and relentlessly without any interruption since the CIA was created. Very infrequently do we learn anything about the CIA. And then we only learn about it ex post facto when, when something happens that has to be discussed. And then only in the most vague and, and general ways without, again, ever naming any particular CIA officer or explaining anything about their sources and methods. So. In this sense, given the importance that's attributed to the CIA as, as being so important that it has to remain secret and so important that, that uh, if you talk about it, you can go to jail. Everything it's done is so important, and yet nobody knows anything about these things. And, there, and, and that is the, the result of 70 years of fake news. And now, now we're told some, you know, fake news of, of the media covering up everything that the CIA has done. 
Americans have no understanding of what their government truly is because they don't know what the CIA has done. They don't know about how evil the people who serve in Congress and the bureaucracies truly are because all these evil, illegal things are done by the CIA and the CIA has absolute immunity. But it all comes back to us and it has finally erupted with the with the election of Donald Trump and the, and the, and this new controversy about fake news as somehow Americans are now going to confront their secret past and the fact that they've been lied to for 70 years and everything that that used to be hidden is now going to be exposed and we're going to stand up and look in the mirror and see ourselves for exactly what they are well I got news for you that ain't going to happen it's still going on and as much as people talk about fake news that in itself is fake. We still haven't gotten anywhere near to an honest, open discussion about what the CIA does. And if it really was doing things that were for our benefit and helped us, then we would be able to talk about it. And if it was only the kind of illegal things that, like me smoking pot for a couple of decades, that really were, were not harming anybody, then what would be the problem in talking about it? But the mere fact that it is illegal to talk about it and it is never talked about it is proof that it is devastatingly awful. And all that devastatingly awfulness, which has been hidden from us for 70 years, affects us in countless ways, not least of which is, is robbing us of our history and our identity. Everything that the CIA does comes home to haunt us, most especially in the fact that it's secret from us and we don't know what it is. How did your book, The CIA as Organized Crime, evolve from your study of the Phoenix program? Or did it? Well, yeah, it did a lot. And um, Phoenix is an important thing to understand if you want to understand the CIA, and not only the CIA, but how um, the security systems of the government function in secret, and how, again, these secret operations affect you in ways that you, you don't understand that how these secret operations affect, actually define most people's basic assumptions about what America is and what it represents and what it symbolizes. And, and they affect people's self-concepts as individuals after 70 years of, of living in a world of illusion and raising children to believe these illusions, you know, it's actually integral to our self-concepts and all our basic assumptions. And the Phoenix program, which I had, you know, this unusual access to, provides a keyhole. It's a, it is a system which I was able to document from beginning to end, from its operational realities to its uh, uh, stated objectives, from the very lowest levels to the very highest levels, to show how CIA policy is created, how it's dissembled in front of Congress and the public, and how it really affects people in terms of it being Phoenix being the ultimate system for uh, providing security for the rich political elite in this country, and, and how Phoenix becomes the model for not only fighting the war on terror, but for the Department of Homeland Security. And, and as soon as you have a political figure like Donald Trump, who's willing to pull out all the stops, you can actually, through this kind of Phoenix system that's set up, 
you can coordinate mass deportations. You can coordinate uh, the prevention of an entire religious class from entering the United States. You can harass it indefinitely. And the security forces which are in place in the Department of Homeland Security are happy to do this. This is what they've been indoctrinated and trained to do, and this is what they've been waiting to do. And as soon as the political um, um, climate wants to do it, it can be done because these systems like Phoenix Program, which is a system, um, and I explain at length in the book what I mean by system. You know, it's a, it's something that's organized and managed and it has rules and regulations and it's very cleverly thought out uh, by people who are magna cum laude graduates of Yale University, very intelligent people put these systems in place and how those systems, um, once a, a political figure like Donald Trump comes along, can be manipulated and used and turned against you. Phoenix was created by the CIA in Vietnam to use to uh, suppress uh, the insurgency there, and not only the insurgency there, but any domestic nationalistic opposition to, to the uh, puppet government there. And now it's the model for the Department of Homeland Security. And it's going to be used against you. And it's being used against you right now. And if you want to understand how these systems are put in place, then you can read the book and find out. And, and I should say, another term that's being thrown around a lot along with fake news, is this idea of a deep state, which I have never used and I would not use because I don't know what people mean by it. But it seems to be this kind of blank slate that anybody can project anything they want onto it. I think what people mean when they talk about um, a deep state are these systems, systems like Phoenix that have been put in place, which are so complex that unless you study them like you were going to study anthropology for four years at Harvard or the petrochemical industry, you don't, you can barely grasp. And so people think that it's somehow secret and hidden from them. But if a person has the time and can study them, then you can understand how these systems work and you can see how they relate to Congress, to the Department of Justice, the legal system. You can see how they relate to the media. You can see how they relate to foreign operations. And suddenly all these things become clear and all the things that have been hidden from you appear before you. And it's not, you realize that all the facts have been there all along if you'd only had time to study it and look into it. And you realize, well, there really is no deep state. There's just a lot of things that, that are beyond what you know. And that if you had the time to study them, you could figure it out. You know, I mean, just like executives at Fox News know, what's, know what the news is going to be two, three weeks from now. They know it's brewing, you know, and then they're not surprised on it like you are when you, you know, like you think it's, it's news and it's a rabbit pulled out of a hat. But the people who run the government are plotting these things three weeks, three months, three years, 10 years into the future. And the people in the media are just as aware of what the government has planned, you know, as the head of the Senate Intelligence committee. So there really isn't a deep state. There really isn't fake news. There's just things you don't know. And don't mythify them and don't make them seem like somehow it's the Wizard of Oz behind, you know, pulling, pulling magic tricks. You know, it's all there. You can know it all. It's all very human. It's all very understandable. You just got to devote the time to it and don't get into the, the mindset of 
of thinking of these people as like somehow they're extra special or something. They've just put a lot of systems in place uh, which are used to control you. I'm speaking with researcher and author Douglas Valentine. Today's show, The Deep State as Fake News. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. In other words, then, would you say that the deep state is the state, and the issue is basically that citizens don't understand what our country is? Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can make it into a magic show, if, it, if you know, but that just suits the ruling elite, you know, as if somehow this is all, you know, beyond you, or you can't understand it, or you can't see it. I mean, but that's just not true. I mean, I was a, a working-class kid who, you know, dropped out of college and smoked a lot of pot for a couple of years and liked to drink and was kind of adventurous. And William Colby liked me, and he introduced me to a lot of CIA officers, and they told me what was going on. And it demythified de the whole thing for me. And uh, um, I'm not saying, well, if I did it, anybody could do it. My situation was unusual. But I can't, having been there and come back, I can tell you there is no mystery to it. The only thing is, is that the media and, the, and, the, and your government prevent you from knowing about it. And if you want to know about it, you can. You just got to make them tell you what's going on. And you can do that. You can change laws. But obviously, you got to want to do it bad enough. Is the CIA being restructured? And if that's the case, what model is the intelligence agency using to reorganize itself? Well, that's a good question because it was reorganized in 2015 under Brennan, the um, John Brennan, who was the director of central intelligence and was a career CIA officer. And again, and to a large extent, it was modeled on this reorganization was modeled on the Phoenix program. The Phoenix program was um, it's complex, but one of the one of the foundation stones for it where um, the, there was a, a Phoenix directorate. When they created this, the Phoenix program in Saigon in 1967, in the summer of 1967, they set up a Phoenix directorate in Saigon, which was really like the command center. There was also a Phoenix committee above this directorate, and that Phoenix committee consisted of the CIA station chief, and a, a deputy ambassador who ran civil operations and, and revolutionary development, and a couple of generals, general who ran counterintelligence, general who ran intelligence. And those five guys were like a, um, a executive committee that oversaw this, this directorate. And the directorate had uh, sub offices in every region, province, and district in South Vietnam. They set them up over about a year. The provinces were like states in the United States, and the districts were like counties. Um, 44 provinces, every one of them had a Phoenix Intelligence Operations and Coordinating Center. And in all the districts, there was a District Intelligence Operations and Coordinating Center. And the, down at the district, they ran informant nets and agent nets into the villages and hamlets, and they tried to identify Anybody who was against the government, anybody who was aiding the communists, anybody that could be easily blackmailed, uh, and, and, you know, the, the people in the diocs, like uh, 
they all had different prejudices and, and business interests. And they, the whole thing was just so corrupt that, that they used it as a way of just terrifying the population of South Vietnam into supporting the government. And they would send their reports from the, from the district to the province and the province would send them to the regions and the regions would send it to, to the, um, the Phoenix directorate where it was all incorporated into computer systems where everybody in South Vietnam had a profile and, and were rated uh, on a scale of uh, one to five, whether they were actually a, a dangerous person or, or somebody who, you know, at the other end of five wasn't too dangerous and should just be extorted and blackmailed and ripped off and, and terrorized. And, you know, but if you were number one, then you got killed and put in jail for the rest of your life and tortured. And, and that was the Phoenix system. Well, before I get to how the CIA was restructured, that's the system that's that the, that's the Department of Homeland Security. The Department of Homeland Security has a has a group of senior um, people in the in the in the White House and in the and in the CIA and in the FBI and, and Congress, and they oversee uh, a Department of Homeland Security, which has an office in Washington. It's like the Phoenix Directorate, and it has a fusion center in every state. And, and every, every state brings together, just like um, these Phoenix intelligence operations and coordinating centers did in Vietnam, brings every law enforcement, military, and intelligence agency, plus all sorts of civilian uh, uh, industrial organizations together and coordinates all their intelligence, all their spy net, all their informant networks, and targets them against Muslims and Mexicans and, and people, environmentalists and, and anybody who's on the blacklists. And it's the exact same thing. And, and they've just been waiting to spring into action. And, and of course, first, they're going to get rid of all the uh, undocumented Mexicans and they're going to get rid of all the Muslims that they can. And then when they're done, they're going to turn. They're going to they're not going to say, oh, gee, well, our job is done. Let's go home. They're going to keep going and and going and going and going until they have created under Trump, you know, uh, a, a population that's so terrified of the government will do everything that Trump wants them to do. And and the CIA in 2015 reorganized itself the same way under John Brennan. It found that this Phoenix coordinating system, which it had been using as a model for the war on terror and which became the model for homeland security was absolutely the way that it should reorganize itself. And it created around the world um, a bunch of what are sort of called counter-terror centers. And these counter-terror centers, I think there's initially set up 15 of them. They're just called uh, centers, but they they themselves are modeled on the counter-terror center at, at CIA uh, headquarters. And they function the same way. And they take all these centers, which were um, activated at the same time as the CIA's latest division. For the first 70 years, it had four divisions, intelligence operations, science and technology and administration. And in 2015, it, it added a digital innovations division, which is its, its computer uh, center, which, you know, hacks and keystrokes foreign governments to death without anybody ever noticing it and, and spies on foreign corporations and does everything to Russia and China that 
the press and Congress are screaming that, you know, Russia and China do to us. Well, you know, I got news for you again. CIA showed everybody the way on how to do that. And, and now they organize their own division. And so each, each of those five divisions is represented in each of one of these centers, which are in effect like mini CIAs set up all around the world. And, and they bring together all of the CIA's uh, resources and divisions and branches together in one place. And, and, and so they've set up like these um, uh, coordinating centers around the world. And apparently, I mean, there is some rumors that there was so much objection to these centers being set up by career CIA officers who are now found themselves outside of these centers. I mean, the centers can only incorporate so many personnel that the establishment within the CIA was actually objecting to them. And a lot of people now are in the CIA are hoping that the CIA will disband these centers, which focus power in fewer and fewer hands, just like capitalism itself. And in, in, in that sense, they, they're a weapon for political people to use. You know, a, a political person like a Trump in a White House can now reach into these centers in a way that they could never get through the regular CIA bureaucracy before and uh, instantaneously uh, look at all the intelligence in, say, China or Russia and instantaneously launch a, an operation to do something, whether it's, it's um, a computer operation or a paramilitary operation or intelligence operation. And you saw Trump try to do it in Yemen you know, within a few days of being elected. And of course, that was a disaster. But anyway, there's a lot of opposition to this new organization in the CIA. A lot of old career people who are who feel like um, they're just going to be left on the outside and not have any say anymore. Well, if this reorganization of the CIA took place in 2015, then obviously it took place under the Obama administration. So it seems to me that this is a sort of a seamless, a seamless operation, be it Trump, Obama, whoever is in there, right? Well, you know, in a sense it is, in a, in a sense of this is the arc, the way things have been developing. But at the same time, you know, when you try to change a massive bureaucracy, there's always resistance from within for the reasons that I was I was talking about. Like the the CIA has had systems in place for 70 years and in the name of streamlining and uh, highly bureaucratizing and being more efficient. These centers were put in place. But again, it threatened the power of a lot of people who are in the bureaucracy itself. So in one sense, it's seamless. But in the, you know, in the other sense, it's, it's, it's really um, revolutionary. And of course, the, the power of computer geeks, you know, I mean, it's like everybody's in shock because all the, all the kids who were, you know, unpopular in high school and, and, and retreated into the, the science lab became computer Greeks. Well, now all of a sudden they're in charge, you know, and it's like all the, all the paramilitary guys and the spy guys who, who, who used to be like these, you know, the James Bond, Bond types are being put out to pasture by these young 25-year-old kids like Ed Snowden who know how to, you know, take down a government uh, just simply by using a computer to... Um, uh, completely disable its um, 
power grid, for example. You know, in the old days, the CIA used to have to sneak a paramilitary team into southern China in order to try to blow up a power station. Now you can have a computer geek like Ed, Ed Snowden just, you know, hack into their, their power grid and you can take down half the country. So the very nature of the spy business is changing. Although, obviously, the paramilitary people are still very important, as we see by, you know, when you want to overthrow, like, Syria. You, you know, you still need intelligence people to work with ISIS, and you still need paramilitary people to give them guns and show them how to use them and stuff like that, you know. So, so um, um, certainly the violent, illegal things that the CIA does, and which it is better at doing than anybody. It has its own secret army that, that just goes around the world, you know, killing and maiming and burning and, and, and subverting. Uh, you know, it's still the best in the world at doing that. But at the same time, the times are changing and, and uh, the geeks are, you know, growing in power within the CIA. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about it as a human thing, but I suppose the, the CIA is in much turmoil internally as uh, America, you know, is today itself through all these changes. It, you know, it has these systems in place which are supposed to minimize any kind of um, changes that affect the rest of the country, the CIA and the military. They are more highly systematized, and so that's supposed to protect them, and it probably does protect them to some extent, but at the same time, they are going through changes and, and um, being affected by all the stuff that's going on, all the craziness that's going on. I'm speaking with researcher and author Douglas Valentine. Today's show, The Deep State as Fake News. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Well, now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump was elected president. Who elected the CIA? Now, your own book is called The CIA as Organized Crime. So we're talking about an intelligence agency that operates illegally and is undermining the elected president and his what he what he at least stated all throughout well, his all, you know, all, all the all the time he was running he said he wanted better relations with Russia it seems to me that the intelligence agencies are trying to keep this cold war with Russia going that's what it looks like to me you know uh, I could see I know most everybody I know sees it that way and and yet you know it's rhetoric i don't know how else to explain it to you guys people are saying things it's rhetoric you know i mean they're stated you know trump says i want to make i have better relations with russia well how the hell do you know that it's true i mean every other word that comes out of this guy's mouth is a lie he says, well, I'm going to build a wall along, you know, Mexico, and Mexicans are going to pay for it. And, uh, I mean, he says so one outrageous, crazy thing after another, which are totally unrealistic. And yet everybody chooses to believe that somehow when he says, I want better relations with Russia, that he's telling you the truth. Now, I don't, you know, I don't believe anything. 
that comes out of the mouth of a politician. You know, I mean, they'll say anything to get elected. And, and maybe somewhere in his heart of hearts, Trump really, really does have a fondness for the Russians and really thinks that the world would be a better place if we all just held hands with the, you know, with the Russians and everybody got along. But I don't believe it. And I have no reason to believe, given everything that he says, that somehow this is, this is really what, what he wants. And then at the same time, I've been following politics that's set around the CIA for 30 years. And I happen to know that stated policies, whatever the politicians state, even if it, they really stated as absolutely this is what I'm stating that, that I want to do, that they have unstated policies all the time that diametrically oppose whatever they're stating as fact. And then that's why the CIA exists, is to further the unstated illegal operations of the United States. And so as the guy right now, as Trump runs the CIA, he's the president. He got elected. Nobody elected the CIA. But when you elect a president, you're saying we trust you to run the CIA because we couldn't possibly have elections to elect every bureaucrat in the government every two or four or six years. Somebody has to be a president who you can trust to run the CIA. And people elected Trump because they think he's smart enough and he's trustworthy enough to run the CIA, you know, and now he runs it. It's his organization. He can appoint all the senior executives and he can send his instructions to his, the new CIA director and say, do this, do that. It's his organization to run. And even if there is resistance, he'll stomp it out, you know, in three months or four months. And, and there may be some 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 CIA guys that are bitter, just like there were a lot of CIA guys who were very bitter when Obama got elected. You know, the CIA didn't love Obama. He wasn't some candidate that the CIA had run to become president. They had to adjust for Obama, too. And, and supposedly there's, you know, there's always this period of adjustment where a politician who gets elected brings in his people, appoints them to cabinet positions and reorganizes the government ideologically the way he wants it. And that's, that is what I think we're seeing now is what happens when any president gets elected and, the, and another, he's replacing Obama and his people have been there for eight years. And that's all that's happening. There is no overture to make the world a better place. Trump is not engaging in some far-reaching Pepsi commercial to, to improve Russia relations with Russia and make the world a better place. That, again, is another fantasy. Well, it seems to me that John Kennedy thought he was running the CIA, and we all <laughs> saw what happened to him. Yeah, well, you know... There's always, you know, there's always problems, man. You know, and when it comes to the CIA and the fact that it's, it's known that the CIA tries to influence presidential policy and they're, and they're in, a, in a unique position to do that. They really are. And, and, and they can give a briefing to the president every day and they can give a briefing about things that is very carefully prepared in order to nudge a president in a particular direction. But if, if the CIA comes to a president and it says, we want to invade the Bay of Pigs, 
And we've got a, um, you know, it's all set up and we can do it. Just trust us. We're going to do it well. It's still the president's decision. You know, Kennedy said, yeah, go ahead, do it. Just like Trump said, yes, it is operation in Yemen. And, and Trump is blaming Obama and the generals and said that this botched SEAL operation in Yemen had been planned before he got to office. And that when he was elected, the generals came to him along with the CIA and they said, we want to, we've been planning this operation, let's go. And he said, okay, go ahead, do it. Well, you know what? He said yes. And just like Kennedy said yes to the Bay of Pigs, just like Kennedy said yes to starting a secret war in Laos. I mean, he said yes. The CIA might have, you know, certainly came to him and said, we would like to do this. The, uh, the Russians and the Chinese are moving into this area and we'd like to keep them out. And so Kennedy said, go ahead and do it. Whether or not the CIA assassinated John Kennedy, you know, I have no evidence that that's what happened, you know? And, and uh, you know, I mean, it's possible that rogues in the CIA did it. I'm not saying it's, it's impossible. I, I can certainly see where it might have happened, but, but, you know, as far as I know, nobody's proved that they've done it yet, you know? And, and, while, and they may be really good at covering up stuff, and they may have, they may have covered it up so well that nobody ever knows. Maybe they did. I'm not saying they did. However, I don't know that they did either. And, and, and if you want to know the sorts of things that the CIA actually does, which have led me to believe that it's the organized crime branch of the United States government, and that it inflicts horrible misery on millions of people around the world. You, you can read my book and find out all about that stuff. But I don't know about Trump and Russia, and I don't know about the CIA bumping off Kennedy. These things may well be happening, but that's beyond the scope of my knowledge and is things that I haven't researched. And finally, the last thing to say about this is the CIA does, and I explain this in depth in the book, it doesn't work for the average American. Any more than, you know, I mean, all the working class people that I know voted for Trump because they think he's going to help the little guy. Well, I can tell you right now when the CIA executive officers are, are sitting around deciding what to do, they're not thinking about helping, helping the little guy. They're thinking about helping the corporations that run this country. And they, they're like the Rex Tillerson Exxon people. That's the level that the CIA works at. And it considers, the CIA considers America not to be 300 million little guys, but the 50,000 people who run this country, who own the corporations, the people in Congress, the, the, the generals and the, who sit on the boards of these corporations. The CIA serves those people. It's a capitalist venture designed to enrich the richest people in this country, the people who have enacted the laws that have created the Department of Homeland Security, not to help the little guy, but to preserve their wealth and to increase the police repression in this country. That's the thing you have to understand about the CIA and the systems that have been organized in this country. They're not, 
The systems that have been put in this country aren't there to help you, the little guy. They're to help the 1% or the 1% that decide everything that's going to happen, that decide foreign policy, that decide domestic policy. And every once in a while, you have to put up with people voting every four years. You know, and some bomb thrower like like Trump can get elected, and then then you have to deal with it. But they will deal with Trump, and Trump will be assimilated because Trump is a billionaire capitalist who has been part of this ruling elite all his life. And he may have some unorthodox ideas about Russia, but he will be assimilated, and the military and the CIA and the State Department, and, and within a month or two, are all going to be perfectly happy with him and uh, Brian in the House and, and uh, Mitchell, Mitch McConnell in the Senate will have brought him under control. They'll use him as a stalking horse to get away with his enacting as much repressive Republican legislation as they can, you know, and, and within the limits of their possibility. But, but if you want to know how the CIA functions as a tool of the rich ruling capitalist elite, then you can read my book. I don't know anything about Russia and JFK. <laughs> I wish I did have some some insights into that. A bunch of a bunch of CIA officers I talked to thought that people in the military and the CIA may well and and in the corporate you know the corporate bosses may well have assassinated Kennedy. I talked to CIA guys and guys in the DEA who thought that too, but that's because they were the people that could pull that off work at a level, the same level of the owner as as um, Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News Corporation, the same level as the people who own the New York Times, um, the same level as the pe- as Rex Tillerson that own uh, Exxon Mobil, the same level as the people that, that own the arms industry in this country, uh, Hewlett Packard, uh, the big arms industries. Hey, and, and all the generals on, on their big lieutenant generals that, on their payroll that sit on the boards. 50,000 people, 100,000 people that rule this country. That's where the CIA works. And, and the CIA, if you talk about it as the CIA wanted to do something, it couldn't do something really all that independently without having some consensus about all these people that are all, you know, at that at that super capitalist predator Bill Gates level. That's, that's where, it, it, you know, and if people wanted to do a public service, make a flow chart, an organizational chart of that group. You know, then you could start seeing where power really flows in this country and see how, it, how it's connected to the, these people are connected to the CIA and the FBI and the, and the military. Then you would start getting a really good understanding of how this country is run and who owns it and how they're using the CIA. But the CIA is not an entity like the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> that, that people step into and all of a sudden they're, you know, they vanish. You know, it, it's got systems and the systems are in control, controlled by political people like Donald Trump who work within this rich capitalist elite affecting its objectives. And they convince an awful lot of millions of Americans that somehow they've got the little guy's interests in heart. And that's another big lie. I'm speaking with researcher and author Douglas Valentine. Today's show, The Deep State as Fake News. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. You know, Doug, I was about to ask you whose agenda or what agenda 
is it that the CIA is carrying out? And it seems like it would be, particularly with the remarks you've just made, it would be the agenda of, of say, Wall Street, let's say, the big bank. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Goldman Sachs. If you want to know what this, who the CIA works for, look at Goldman Sachs. You know, I mean, these are the, these are the people when Franklin Roosevelt created the OSS, which, you know, evolved into the CIA. He didn't go around picking little guys, normal people. You know, <laughs> these are not the people considered people who have a stake in the United States. You know, they're, they're, they're worker bees who's, you know, if you have to give them Social Security, it's it's like, my God, you know, so I can't give these people Social Security. I mean, they should be working 50, 60, 70 hours a week for low wages. I mean, that's what Goldman Sachs things, you know, and those are the people that that determine currency rates. And if, if and if they think that there's a somehow the currency rate between India and uh, China is is devaluing uh, some uh, industry that Goldman Sachs wants to 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 control, well, activate the CIA, go in there, subvert India, you know, have them create some financial crisis. And now, now all of a sudden the exchange rate is right in Goldman Sachs is happy. And then, and some American corporations can move in or, you know, it's hard to, to, to uh, separate American corporations because it's all now multinational corporations. You know, I mean that uh, people, people think that, you know, trade agreements are, are somehow anti-American. Well, Look at the corporations. You know, I mean, or where do you think Toyota manufactures its cars? You know, I mean, we're being deluded. And, and right now, this hurricane, tornado of, of supposed fake news and, and all this talk of the deep state, which means meaningless, absolutely innocuous, meaningless term. All these terms are floating around and people are unraveling themselves trying to figure it out. I mean, they're trying to figure out what fake news is. Well, why don't you try to figure out what's real and what's happening? You know, and study things factually. The books are there, folks. You know, you can go read them. It, it, it really, all the facts are there. It's just uh, very frustrating to me. And of course, like everybody, I get swept up in it. But, um, uh, it, it, you know, it's it, it, as confused as everybody else about what's real and what isn't real these days. But it, if you take a deep breath and you relax, you can figure it out. The facts are there. A, a fact. Donald Trump wants to destroy the Environmental Protection Agency. Okay, he, this is what he's going to do. He is not doing this to help the little guy. He may say he's doing it to help the little guy, but he's doing it to help corporations. You know, I mean... Obama sort of dithered around Standing Rock. It took Trump four days to get rid of those people. You know, this is what's going to be happening around the country. Trump is out to help the rich, political elite, and steal everything from you. That's the thing that you need to know, and that's the thing that you need to, to start organizing and working against, or else, or else by the time all this fake news, deep state stuff blows over, you're going to be in prison. And your environment's going to be gone. You write that the media organizes itself the way the CIA does. 
that the CIA has case officers running around the world engaged in murder and mayhem, and the media has reporters covering them. What are the similarities between the organization of the media and the organization of the CIA? Yeah, okay. And that's that gets it to absolutely, well, what is America? Well, you know, America started out as a slave state, but it was always a capitalist state. The people that created our country were large landowners. You know, and they didn't like paying taxes to the British, so they created a government that initially excluded women, men who didn't own property, and blacks, of course, who the Constitution rated as three-fifths of human being. And and they killed all the indigenous people on, on the continent over the course of, you know, 300 years or whatever it was, and stole everything they had. That is the ethic. These are the ethics that define the United States of America. And that since the country was created, as it's sort of liberalized, systems have been put in place to maintain the status and and prerogatives of the ruling class, the same kind of ruling class that created this country. And and as it expands its laws, tax laws, uh, property laws, all kinds, you know, a whole... Um, starting in the beginning of the 20th century, you know, departments of justice, customs, all these different systems are put in place. And the systems are all designed to protect the interests of this rich ruling class. And while we don't have slavery anymore, it took until the 1960s to get rid of the Jim Crow laws and, and, and segregation. And of course, we're still a segregated country. You know, I mean, that still exists. And and uh, black people are still pitted against poor white people, just like they were when the country was created. And, and, and all these systems are in place, but now they're more highly bureaucratized. Uh, technocrats run them. They're in place and they're so deep, you, it seems like you can't see them, although you can feel them and you can see the results of them all the time. And one of the things, one of the systems that's evolved in the 250 years that we've been around, is the system of, of information, of how we view our country, how, what we know about it. And the same way that the rich ruling elite has controlled and structured all these other systems. And believe me, it wasn't the little guy that put these systems in place. It was the rich political elite that puts all these systems in place. They have put in systems of media management. Okay, and in this sense, the media serves basically the same function as the CIA, which is a system, or the military, which is a system, or the education system, which, of course, is part of the media. And as you know, if you went to school, you grew up being told that America was the greatest country on the earth, and you probably weren't told about slavery, and you probably weren't told about a lot of things that anything that diminished America's stature in your in your little adolescent mind. And and you grew up believing all these myths about America as the land of opportunity and and and, and the country that's going to bring democracy to the world. And in the meantime, it's got this hidden CIA and it's waging war and it's got the bi- biggest military in the in the in the, the world, a military that's bigger than all the other militaries of the world combined. And yet you still think it's a victim and you gotta worry about ISIS and Muslims. And Mexican immigrants. Well, why is this? Because 
a system of media management has been put in place and has evolved over 250 years as well. And that's the system of media management, which extends into education and everything else that you learn and Hollywood and, and TV, especially, which, which is the ultimate, because as a, as the little guy, your only function is to buy commodities that the capitalists produce at outrageous rates and, and buy commodities that you don't need, have no value to your, have no intrinsic value to your life, but simply pollute the, the environment and make your life worse. But TV ads make you think that all this stuff is fine. And when you see people on TV, you say, God, I want to be like him. I want to be like Meryl Streep or I want to be like Paul Newman, you know, I mean, and I could live that life, you know, and, and these systems, which not just TV and the movies and education system, but the daily news that you get, all these things are controlled. They're a system that are controlled the same way that the CIA is controlled. And, and at the very highest levels of the media, they are the CIA. And that's why they don't tell you about the CIA because that's their part in the overall spectacle is not to tell you about these things. So you continue to believe all these myths about America and not just myths about America, but most importantly, myths about yourself that you've learned through your education, through uh, um, what you see on TV. And that the, as soon as Nike comes out with a new pair of sneakers, boom, off you go and you buy it. And maybe you're a Pepsi guy. Or maybe you're a Coke guy, you know, but you like Pepsi and you like Coke because like Trump, they say they want good relations with with Russia, you know. And so, so you know, it's all this, this, this systems that have been in place are elaborate and they've evolved over 200 years, but they all have the same purpose. And that's why I say in the book, at the highest levels, the CIA is the same as the media. And the, the way you rise from you know, a, a lowly entry level person in the CIA to, to head the CIA is the same way you, you rise up through, you know, um, uh, the New York Times, for example. You know, you, you start out as a, as a cub reporter. And if you write articles that, that show that you have an aptitude for disclosing, for covering up the things that Americans shouldn't know, and telling them the things that they should know, the way they should know it, well, then maybe you'll become a, a more important reporter, you know. And then if you really, they might let you actually have contact with a CIA officer, you know. And up you go until you, through all these ideological, um, you know, tests that are given to you until, you know, someday you're in executive management and you're actually talking to guys in the CIA executive management and they're telling you, well, you know, in about two years, we're going to be overthrowing the government of the Philippines, you know, which we really don't like right now because they've been bad to Westinghouse. And, and Westing, Westinghouse wants to build a nuclear reactor in one of their provinces. And, they feel, and there's a bunch of congressmen there. We're getting rid of them, by the way. But when we do, you know, uh, there's going to be room for, for you guys there and you're going to get a news bureau and stuff like that. I mean, that's what goes on at these highest levels. And these people at the highest level have no blinders over their eyes. They have no illusions. They're all in it together as a mafia. And, and again, it's hard to explain these things in 20 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour. And even the book, this book, The CIA's Organized Crime, how its operations corrupt everything. And that's corruption in the sense of corrupting you 
so that you don't know who you are. You're not even in touch with your humanity or the humanity of, you know, say if you're, you know, you might have, have feelings about blacks or you might have, if you're black, you might have feelings about Mexicans. I mean, how, how the information you receive is through the media is making you feel these things. If you want to understand those kind of things, read my book. Uh, you know, some of these other things that you talk about, I don't know how to think about, but very realistically, I can, you know, the book ex- outlines how that works, how that systems work. And, as, you know, it's, it, it has to do with capitalism and the ideology that, that capitalism advances, which is, you know, that, that you know, 1% of the 1% of the 1% are the, are the um, big dogs and they deserve everything because they take it. Thank you so much, Doug. Okay, buddy. Oh, thanks for letting me ramble on, and and uh, I hope I haven't disappointed too many of, uh, of your listeners. I've been speaking with Douglas Valentine. Today's show has been The Deep State as Fake News. Douglas Valentine is the author of several works of historical nonfiction, including The Phoenix Program, America's Use of Terror in Vietnam, about the CIA in Vietnam, and The Strength of the Wolf and the Strength of the Pack, which discuss the history of federal drug law enforcement. He also edited a poetry anthology with our eyes wide open, Poems of the New American Century. His latest book is The CIA as Organized Crime, How Illegal Operations Corrupt America and the World, available at claritypress.com. Visit his website at douglasvalentine.com. That's douglasvalentine.com. Guns and Butter is produced by Bonnie Faulkner, Yaramako, and Tony Rango. Visit us at gunsandbutter.org to listen to past programs, comment on shows, or join our email list to receive our newsletter that includes recent shows and updates. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. Follow us on Twitter at GNB Radio.